Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. I'm Anthony Buzzard, inviting you again to search the Scriptures with me for a few moments as we continue to investigate what was undoubtedly Jesus' famous and favorite topic, the Gospel about the Kingdom of God. I wonder if you realize that according to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the really memorable word in the teaching of Jesus and also of Paul was the approach of the kingdom of God, the announcement that the kingdom of God is coming. And in the last interview that Jesus held with his disciples before his death, he still spoke of the kingdom of God, anticipating that he would be reunited with the disciples in that coming kingdom. You'll find that stated clearly in Mark chapter 14 and verse 25. At the beginning of the ministry of Jesus in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, Jesus spoke of the kingdom of God as the heart of the gospel, and he invited people to repent and to believe in that gospel about the kingdom. From that moment onward, throughout his ministry, right to the time of his death, Jesus constantly mentioned the kingdom of God as the heart of his own message. Mark records 13 instances of the use of the term kingdom by Jesus, Luke says that 34 times Jesus spoke of the kingdom of God and Matthew 48 times. I think it must be obvious then that the kingdom of God is of central and crucial importance in the teaching of Jesus, our Savior. The gospel indeed is spoken of as the gospel about the kingdom. For example, in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, and later we find that the 12 apostles and after them 70 people were sent out on Jesus' behalf to announce the very same gospel about the kingdom of God. You'll find that information in Matthew 10, verse 7, and Luke 10, verse 9. Did you know that more than one-third of the parables of Jesus are specifically said to be the unfolding of the truth about the kingdom of God? And the disciples were taught to pray for the coming of the kingdom of God. We all know that phrase from the famous Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come. In Luke 16, verse 16, Jesus said that the period of the law and the prophets came to its end when the gospel about the kingdom of God began to be preached by John the Baptist and continued to be preached by Jesus himself. And so you see, the kingdom of God is presented to us in Scripture as the supreme good that we should all be seeking for every moment of our lives. Indeed, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, and all other things then will be added to us as a bonus. And so the kingdom of God, we may fairly say, is also the great fact of the future laid before us as the object and the objective of all faith and effort. Let's go back a moment to the text where we began our series of programs focusing on the kingdom of God. That's to say the text in Mark 1, verses 14 and 15. I want to take a few moments now to analyze each section of that supremely important passage of Scripture. Why is it so important? Well, it outlines for us, in a few carefully chosen words, the essence of what Jesus was about as he announced his saving message to his colleagues there in Israel some 2,000 years ago. Mark reports that when John the Baptist had been taken into prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching or announcing or heralding God's gospel. Now I want to tell you that there's only one gospel in the Bible, 
a single gospel. And it's called here God's gospel. That's to say it's a message that comes from God. That's why it's supremely important that we pay attention to what God announced and is announcing to us in terms of the gospel of God or the gospel of the kingdom. That's the saving message that Jesus brought into Galilee. Now that term gospel of God can be traced throughout the New Testament. It occurs in fact about eight times and it has a way of unifying the New Testament for us beautifully. God's gospel not only occurs there in Mark chapter 1 where it's defined immediately as the gospel about the kingdom of God but it comes also in the first verse of Romans chapter 1 where Paul likewise speaks of himself as a bondservant of Christ called to be an apostle and separated or set apart for the gospel of God. And so Paul and Jesus then share this commission which centers on, which concentrates entirely on what's called God's gospel. Let's trace this famous phrase, the gospel of God, a little further. This, by the way, is an excellent method to do Bible study. You compare similar passages and you put the pieces of the puzzle together to make a harmonious picture. In the book of Romans, chapter 15 and verse 16, Paul says that he was to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, administering the gospel of God. There it is again, exactly the same phrase as was used to describe Jesus' own gospel in Mark chapter 1. Paul goes on to say there in Romans 15 that the offering up of the Gentiles will be made acceptable to God because it's sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Gentiles are acceptable to God because of their belief and their acceptance of God's gospel. So you see, the Holy Spirit is connected here with the proclamation of God's gospel. Turning next to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 2, Paul speaks there of his suffering and how he'd been shamefully mistreated at Philippi, and yet he had the courage by the strength of God to declare to them the gospel of God in spite of great opposition. And so this gospel was obviously not always popular. Paul had to suffer for it. And Paul, of course, presents a wonderful example to all subsequent generations of Christians. They must be willing, if necessary, to suffer for their adherence to the truth of the gospel of the kingdom. But Paul stuck with his mission, conscious as he was of furthering the very message of the gospel of the kingdom of God, which Jesus himself had demonstrated before him. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 7, Paul says this, Did I commit a sin by humbling myself so that you might be exalted because I proclaimed God's gospel to you free of charge? And then finally, in 1 Peter 4, verse 13, Peter says this, The time has come for judgment to begin with the household of God, that's to say the church, and if it begins with us, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? That seems to be a pretty strong admonition to all of us that we ought to pay close attention to God's gospel. Now, I think it's very clear from these eight references that the phrase gospel of God is meant to teach us beyond all question that the very same gospel was preached by Jesus and then by Peter and following that by Paul to all the Gentile churches. We can confidently say then that there's only one gospel in the New Testament and it's exactly the same gospel for the Jews as for the Gentiles. 
That must be true because Jesus offered the gospel of God to the Jewish people, Mark 1, 14 and 15, to the people of Israel, that is. Peter then offered it to the Jews after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul then took that same gospel, the gospel of God, as he calls it several times, to the Gentile people. Now, that's a most comforting thought, that we don't have to worry with differences in the content of the gospel. There's only one saving message, and it clearly contains the information brought originally by Jesus to the people of Israel, namely the announcement of the coming kingdom of God and our need to repent in view of that great fact. It would be hard to exaggerate the importance of this wonderfully clarifying phrase, the gospel of God, which so beautifully unifies the New Testament under the umbrella of a single message, one single gospel for both Jew and Gentile alike. So we've seen then that the eight occurrences of the phrase gospel of God from Mark 1 onwards right into the letters of Peter and also in the letters of Paul give a complete harmony to the apostolic preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. Now while we're dealing in patterns of eight, let's consider for a moment the unifying effects of the kingdom of God texts in the book of Acts. There are some who have said that the kingdom of God ceased to be the gospel after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That, I think, we're going to find is not true at all to the evidence of Scripture itself. Let me take you now rather rapidly through the eight kingdom texts occurring in the book of Acts. You may want to request from us at the end of the program a tape of this session that you're hearing now in order that you can check these texts more carefully. But there are eight kingdom of God texts in the book of Acts which show that the kingdom of God message originally preached by Jesus in his historical ministry for some three and a half years has not at all in the book of Acts ceased for one minute to be as equally central in the preaching of the apostles after the death and resurrection of Christ. In Acts 1-3 we have a reappearance of the risen Jesus Christ in the presence of his apostles and for 40 days, Luke records in Acts 1 verse 3, for 40 days, or some six weeks, Jesus preached to them the kingdom of God, spoke to them of the things concerning the kingdom of God. So Jesus clearly had not abandoned his original gospel message, but continued to speak of it with the same intensity after his death and resurrection. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, we have the famous last words of the apostles to Jesus before he ascended to the right hand of the Father. On that occasion, they asked him this simple question. Has the time now come for you to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, that, of course, was the right question to ask in view of the entire background provided for them by the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. In chapter after chapter, the prophets of Israel had constantly declared that one day God would restore the people of Israel to their land under the leadership and guidance and supervision of their Messiah. And so it was entirely natural, not only in view of the entire story of the Old Testament, but in view of the teaching and preaching of Jesus himself, that they would inquire about the coming of the kingdom, the restoration of the kingdom to Israel. That's exactly, of course, what they were expecting, and what we as faithful followers of Jesus and the apostles, and believing in the same message, that we also should expect to happen consequent upon the second coming of Jesus Christ. 
Now, the reply that Jesus gave to that question is equally instructive. He said, It's not for you to know the times and the seasons which God has placed in his own authority. Now, Jesus did not say, I want you to notice, it's wrong for you to inquire about the restoration of the kingdom to Israel. Obviously, he said no such thing. He simply told them that they were not permitted to know when exactly that great event would happen. That it would happen, eventually, is obviously a plain fact of the text of Scripture there. Jesus expected it to happen. The question of the disciples expected also that the kingdom would be restored to Israel. And in Acts 8 and verse 12, a text which we've mentioned a number of times already in these programs, we find that when Philip, the evangelist, was preaching, people believed Philip as he proclaimed to them the gospel about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, and that's when people were ready to be baptized. In Acts chapter 14, verse 22, Paul speaks of the fact that the disciples should expect to suffer tribulation before they finally enter the kingdom of God in the future. It's through much tribulation, Paul said, that we are bound to enter the kingdom of God. In Acts chapter 19 and verse 8, we find that Paul once again was constantly preaching the kingdom of God. For three months there we read that he dialogued and argued about the kingdom of God, basing his arguments upon the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. That happened for a period of three whole months, that text says. We're going to have to leave you to look up the final two Acts kingdom texts in Acts 28 verses 23 and 31, further confirmation of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Our time is running out for today. We invite you to request from us our free book on the kingdom of God and join us again for our continued study of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.